You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. So yeah, a million different thoughts and topics going through my head, as you can imagine. Yeah. And I love your, the way you're questioning things, you know, I know I have a different approach. I'm just like, you guys are criminals. You, <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> and, and I do think, I mean, I do think on some, on some level they are, you know, I do think that at some level, yeah, when you know the science is wrong and uh-huh. you continue to promote it, there should be criminal liability for that. But if all the other voices are silenced and we're not allowed to question, Mm -hmm. then how do we know that it's criminal behavior? Thank you for joining us. We have so much (laughs) to talk about. We're going to reveal, hopefully, where the fraud is. But first, allow me to introduce myself. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Tess Regera, Soul Powered Executive Coach, and I guide leaders and executives and change makers to make the shift from fear power to soul power. And this podcast was born because I am seeing all this manipulations, all this crimes against humanity that really keep people in fear. Why is that? Why are we kept in stress level in just getting by, right? Beth and I are both coaches and we believe in the human spirit. But if you look around, you connect the dots. There's so much assault on human spirits, so much dumbing down of human consciousness, so much robbery, robbing us of this experience to actually experience our higher self. And that to me is the crime against humanity. So my intention is to shed light on this crimes against humanity, create awareness that we have the power to rise above it and together. We're responsible to have to stand in that power and say, I'm responsible for me and I'm responsible for raising others up with me. Yes, right. first myself. Yes. First myself. And but then, then others. Together, we yeah. rise above and return the soul power to the people. Yeah. So please introduce yourself, Beth. Give us a little bit about your background. I know you and, and why I'm so really excited is because in the past, just like I was an accountant in the past, you're a lawyer and usually, yeah, you know, <laughs> lawyer. Yeah. Like, and I mean, it just like, I mean, the, the wonderful thing about being a lawyer and then a coach is the thing we are taught to do as lawyers is to ask good questions. Ask we are problem questions. solvers that ask questions. And so the transition to coach changes the focus to a more compassionate, heart-based questioning, to a more integrated, to a more holistic approach. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it is still about problem solving. It's still about finding that, that basis of where does this problem lie so that the client can then build the solution. So as a lawyer, I was probably more involved in the building of the solution, of the advising, of the expert. 
-hmm. as a coach, I would say I take more of a background of, of creating the space for the client to discover that they actually have all the answers themselves. Um, you have to repeat that. Repeat that because that's <laughs> really important right there. As a coach, I take that step back and allow the client through questioning mm -hmm. to discover that they actually have all the answers for themselves because they are the expert in their life in their experience, in their traumas that they need to heal, in their perspective on how they're looking at the world. Uh -huh. I can hold up a mirror. I can sit there and say, this is what I'm seeing of how you're doing. And I'd like you to focus on this lens or this perspective. But at the end of the day, I cannot tell the client what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. Only not they, <laughs> exactly. It's, it, it, is, it is for them to answer. So when I sit here and I talk about total responsibility of every one of us is completely responsible mm -hmm. for our health, for our well-being, for our learning and our growth, for mm -hmm. our knowledge, for what we're reading, or not reading for what we're questioning or not questioning. Not questioning. Yeah, let's I go cannot back to that. tell you mm -hmm. what to read. I cannot tell you what to learn or what to focus on. Mm -hmm. My only thing would be that learn, focus, question. Learn, and focus, ask, question. Yeah. Ask questions. Yes. Question your questions. <laughs> and and really, go, there's a power in questioning in that it forces our mind to come up with a solution. It really Absolutely. does. Absolutely. Yeah, right? And, 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 yeah. and you have to and, ask powerful questions too, in a way yes. that will uh, generate a solution that it's in alignment with what you desire. But what's happening now and why this topic with you, this conversation with you is so important is? We're being told not to question. We are being told just to accept what we're being told by the experts. And the issue I have with that, like I said to you before, was if we look at the tobacco industry mm -hmm. or we look at the sugar industry, we already know that they paid off scientists to say what they wanted us to hear okay yes asbestos was safe we used to spray ddt on our children to get rid of the lice mm -hmm. there's all kinds of things done in the name of science which mm -hmm. have been questioned and discovered to be wrong because someone dared to question. Someone dared to question. And what we're being told right now is if you're not a scientist, don't question. But I see, I mean, let me give you a live example from here in Panama, which is where I'm living. And as you can see, we are in wonderful summertime. But in the height of, of COVID, mm -hmm a doctor and i want to say a country doctor that's not entirely true a a doctor in a small town online research treatments for covid because where she was living did not have great hospital facilities so she was of the opinion of i have to make sure that the patients in my district 
don't need a hospital because we don't have the wherewithal for hospitalization. So she looked at it from the perspective of how do I ensure that my patients don't even have to go to hospital? Mm. And she adopted a treatment protocol in her clinic for her local district that ensured no hospitalization. But of course, this on social media made the news. She did not talk about what she was doing. Who talked about it were her patients. And because of that, the news media, the TVs went out to interview her and she talked about what she was doing. And she then got called in front of the Ministry of Health and was about to lose her license to practice as a doctor because she was not following the World Health Organization rules. Okay, she dared to question mm -hmm. what was being put out by the Ministry of the Health of and the and the World Health Organization. Those this is how you handle COVID cases. So when all of this happens, and it's in the news here that she's going to lose her license, the president of El Salvador turns around and says, I will send a plane for you, get on the plane, come to El Salvador, and I will assign to you doctors to research the work you're doing, and we'll give you a license to practice here. Wow. Because of that, the Ministry of Health here backed down. Wow. But if she had not had the president of another country say, I'm willing to listen, Mm -hmm. If it's working, let's look at what's working. The response from the Ministry of the Health and the doctors here was, how dare you question mm -hmm. how we're being told to treat COVID? Wow. Okay. And, and, and this was April, May of last year. <laughs> okay. And, and so for me, I sit there going, we're told that we're not qualified. You and me, we're not doctors. Therefore, we're not qualified to question. And okay. she's a doctor. She's still but not qualified. But she's a doctor and she's being told, do not question. And she's being told, even if this works, don't do it that way because that's not how, we're, we've, been to, how we've told you to do it. Right. And what worries me is that doctors who do question and who dare to stand up and question, this is not just in Panama, this is around the world, are being threatened with losing their licenses for daring to question. And to me, that is a crime against humanity because there's, what we're saying is, do not look for any unofficial solution. Do not dare look for a solution yeah. anywhere. And, and to me, that is a crime. I get that doctors will make mistakes in trying solutions. I get that. But in the middle of a crisis worldwide, you want to tell me that there's not a doctor that's not going to come up with a solution and that it's going to work. And it might not be from a big pharmaceutical, it might not be from a university, 
it might be a doctor in a small town. Yeah. And that doctor in a small town knows every one of his patients probably better than any big city doctor knows theirs, better than any university researcher knows the people that they're treating. Mm -hmm. The doctor in the small town might just figure it out because he knows what the comorbidities of his population are. Right. Right. And and so to me, I mean, that's just one example of just questioning. One. And there's many, many, and there many, are many, many, many doctors. And and there there are thousands of doctors. I mean, like in the UK, doctors and nurses are not allowed to film or tweet or be on social media about anything happening in the hospitals in the UK. The only inf information that is allowed to come out of hospitals in the UK is that which is published by the National Health Service. Mm. So there's control of information. Now, mm -hmm. I understand they're trying to control misinformation, but at the same time, it also means that any doctor or nurse that sees something wrong happening is not allowed to question it either. And I'm so grateful for all those uh, nurses and doctors who are blowing the whistle. Yes. Um, calling out on and the And how fraud. many whistleblowers are being shut up? Well, one of my guests uh, in April, uh, Dr. Scott Jensen, who is also a senator here in Minnesota, will be yeah. coming on the show. And he is one of those who questioned Absolutely, the certification, Ma majorly you know, question. Yeah. <laughs> the, the certificates, right? I'm excited to have him. And uh, yeah, it's, and one doctor that I happened to have a conversation and I was so upset after having conversation with her because this was the day that all those doctors were shut down. Yes. You know, for prescribing HCQ. Yes. Right. And then I was just, you know, candidly asking her and she's like, no, it's bad. It's like, really? You're not even questioning it? No, 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 no. Well, what if I want it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to give it to me? I want it. I want it. I am deciding. Yeah. It's my medical liberty to decide yeah. for what I want. And as far as I know, there's a right to try. Right. Yes. And, and so she's like, my hands are tied. I was so, this is a doctor. And that's just, and, the, and, that, and that is the frustration here of, you've got doctors saying, we can treat this so it doesn't end up in hospital. Mm -hmm. And they're being told, do not do that. You have to wait for them to be hospitalized. Why? 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 Why are we waiting for them to be hospitalized? Because you know that once they're hospitalized, that's the death knell. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those that are treated before hospitalization and never get to hospital is where the, 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 the beauty of health happens. And, and so for me, I, I do, I, I have a million questions. You've seen my posts all over the Facebook and other places of follow the money of right, when right. you, when you start tracking who is the shareholder of what company and who stands to gain. 
one of my pet peeves at the moment this week, you know, I have pet peeves that change over time, but this week's pet peeve okay. is, <laughs> <No splash> is, <laughs> is, is I've seen four news, four newspaper articles or headlines this week mm. with Bill Gates, billionaire philanthropist. Okay. Builds up his credibility, right? Right. So billionaire philanthropist, it, they're not talking about him as a billionaire. It's always billionaire philanthropist. So language, okay? Right. Language right. impacts. Mm -hmm. And the article today was about lab-grown meat. So let's get rid of the farming and the beef industry and all of that and lab-grown meats. But I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute. So he's talking about how this is going to save the planet from climate change. But the biggest investor in lab-grown meats is none other than, oh, that's right, Bill Gates. Gates of health. So the moment we switch over to lab-grown meats, who makes all the money? Is that truly philanthropy? Question the narrative of what you're reading. I mean, like for me, I see philanthropist and that means somebody who is creating good for the good of other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the moment that I read that you're making or you stand to make millions or billions off this, you start questioning motives. Right. And I'm told, don't question motives. Well, excuse me, I follow the money. I'm a corp I was a corporate lawyer. And as much as I might be a coach now, I don't completely take off that hat. The same way you as an accountant, there's some things that you just, it, it's so entrained into you, you can't right. just leave it aside. Exactly. And so for me, I sit there going, well, wait a minute, this use of language, and, and I don't know about you, but everywhere I see news, I see his name in the news and it's about climate change and the book that he's selling. Once again, selling, not giving away, selling. I see his name in the news about the vaccines, mm -hmm. which is theoretically philanthropy, but then he admits on the other side on M MSNBC that he made 200 million off a 20 million investment. Mm -hmm. Is that philanthropy to you? Right. If you're talking about making that kind of money, mm -hmm. are we really talking about philanthropy? And that yeah. is where I question the narrative. And that's where I question, for example, in India, um, and this is, I mean, this is one of the other questions. He goes in and he puts in a, a seed fund for vaccination of 50 million. So he has made a gift to the Indian community of $50 million of seed money to get a program of vaccination started. Gift. The Indian government then had to come up with 1 billion more to finish the program. Mm. But he's an investor in the companies that sold the vaccine. So I sit there going, well, wait a minute. So he gave you 50 million, but then on the backside, how much money did he make 
when the government takes on the program and spends a billion dollars. And that's where I sit there and go, well, let's follow the money. Let's ask the questions. Yeah. And I love that about you. I was saying (laughs) earlier that your approach is totally different from mine. I love how you're leading people to questioning, whereas I'm just declaring crimes against humanity, crimes against humanity. <laughs> and, but the, and there is that. I mean, there is that place for saying this is wrong. And I do hope that we question enough to see what's going wrong. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that when somebody is crying out, this is a crime against humanity, that somebody steps up and says, well, let's start asking questions. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't ask questions, if we just take the official narrative, well, if we just take the official narrative, asbestos is safe. If we just take the official narrative, smoking does not cause cancer. If we just take the official narrative, you need more sugar. And I find it fascinating how, I mean, at least for me, 2020 was one of the most difficult years of my life, yes. But at the same time, I discovered for me that I finally reached a place in life where I do actually have an inner peace that passes all understanding. I don't necessarily have it all the time, but I have it. And I, until life hits the rocks like it hit in 2020. Mm-hmm. I would never have discovered that that's what I had. Right. Yeah, and that's an amazing place to be. And then you can actually look, right? Connect the yeah. dots, question. Yeah. Um, I just don't have the patience for it to look at this because I look, 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 look. Can you I, so, not so see for what me, I'm seeing? So for me, though, you know, that the lawyer and me will spend the time going through the corporates and looking at the shareholders. Because as far as I'm concerned, I mean, it's all available online. That's the beautiful thing at this moment in time is you can go. Are you sure? They've they've, uh, deleted a lot of pages. Oh, they have. but, But at least on the stock market, you can usually see who the top 10 shareholders are. Uh, 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 from that perspective, got it, from, got it. And so, so, so I look at it and what to me is crazy, and you'll find articles on the internet about this. If you take a list of all your pharmaceutical companies, all your major food companies, mm-hmm. <laughs> all your agricultural and chemical companies, mm-hmm. and all your media companies, Mm-hmm. There are three mutual funds that hold 40% of everybody. Wow. And if you look even at Biden's appointees right now, mm. BlackRock, who is the biggest shareholder of the media, the pharmaceuticals, the agriculture and chemical, the food mm-hmm. has just appointed BlackRock executives to his government. Yeah, the U.S. is a corporation. I when uh, I and, and and I and so I look at that and I'm like, how can you be blind to this? How can you not 
follow the money. I mean, like, we know that the war machine needs to get restarted mm -hmm. because they've had four years of not starting a new war. Right. Okay. The war machine has not made money like they normally make. Wow. Tell us more. <laughs> okay. Defense contractors. Right. Okay. Okay. Where are they making their money if the U.S. is not invading someone? <laughs> oh, wow. I, I didn't see that. Very interesting. Wow. I, so this is why I say you need to start asking more questions, guys. I mean, do not sit here. I mean, like, I look at from from a perspective of someone that, that's never lived in the U.S. I'm not a U.S. citizen. And so... I, where are you from way, originally? I know you, you moved <laughs> there, but where are you from originally? Uh, my dad is from New Zealand and my mom is English. Ah, ah. So I've lived mainly in Panama most of my life. I've lived in England, Australia, New Zealand. And I speak English with an American accent. <laughs> but I look at this from the perspective of a more world perspective. Mm -hmm. And so, for example... You know that in 89, the U.S. invaded Panama to free Panama from Noriega. Free. Yeah. So follow the money on this one. Immediately following the invasion, there are, as usual, the sacking locally by local people of all businesses. Businesses got ransacked for food, for TVs, for whatever. Okay. That typically happens following an invasion that's not strange. It happened in Iraq, it happened in Syria, it happened everywhere. After any invasion, the first thing that happens is the locals sack the local businesses because they freaked out. That happens in Panama. Businesses turned around and made claims to their insurance companies. Now, at that time, the major insurance companies in Panama were all American. Now, the reason the U.S. was able to take Noriega from Panama was because they declared it was not war. He was taken for the money laundering and crimes. It was not an act of war. It was just to arrest him. So that's on the, the, the political field. Panamanian businesses sue American insurance companies in the U.S., and they turn around and claim it's an act of war and therefore it's not covered by the insurance policies. And the U.S. courts uphold that it was an act of war and therefore not covered by insurance. Question everything, guys. Wow. Wow. So on the one hand, you have the U.S. saying this was not war because if it was war, they could not take Noriega back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. You cannot do that in war. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for them to take Noriega back to the U.S. and then have him on trial for money laundering and drugs and all that kind of stuff, it could not be war. Right. But for the insurance companies, it was war. So you have Senate. the U.S. U.S. insurance companies claiming it's war and winning in U.S. courts. And yet you have the U.S. government saying this was not war, it was simply an arrest. Do you see a <laughs> parallel happening 
right now because because as you were saying that the looting and stuff like that we might we went back to the rioting after george floyd in minneapolis right. absolutely where, where i was and uh <laughs> 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 oh honey I, mean, I got so many questions on that one i mean like I, I, and i'm i'm really hesitant to, to even go into that topic. You know, I sit there and I look at, um, I'm not American. I understand my situation of privilege. It's just like, there's, there's so much about it. And yet I sit there and go, yeah, but either your looting was absolutely criminal, in which case, where are all the arrests? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Oh, oh, there, um, there were arrests. They were let go on bail, right? And I and okay, but I get that. So I sit there going, you can't have it both ways. Uh, I know, I know. And and the people who raised the funds, so this thugs, right? I'm gonna call it as it is, can be set free, are sitting in the government right now. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is that, I mean, and, and, and this is once again, follow the money and question the narrative. Okay. Here in Panama, we know that votes are bought. One of the great things about living in the third world is the transparency of corruption is yeah. so obvious that, yeah. that you take it for granted. So, I mean, like here in Panama. I grew up in the Philippines. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, I, mean, <laughs> I can see the corruption. You don't, I mean, like, I don't, it's not hidden. It's not agreements made behind closed doors. You see it on the street, you know, like you can film it and publish it on social media and no one bats an eyelid. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, it's like we have yet to have a politician go to jail here for corruption, even though everyone knows how much he stole and how he stole it and where the money went and what company paid. I mean, it just, everybody knows that. I mean, like right now we have headline news and unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's horrific. 10 to 15 years ago, the UN and other international organizations pressured Panama that um, orphanages and foster homes and everything should be privately run as opposed to government, okay? And so they went through and they changed the entire structure of, 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 of foster care to private. Well, it now comes out in the last 10 days that the girls are being sold out of the foster homes and out of the orphanages into sex industry at 12, 13, 14 years old, whatever. And a couple of years ago, two women that were in the system reported what was going on and were fired and had their careers ruined. These two women have their careers decimated. They are blackballed. They are totally, I mean, they, they were even proceeded against criminally for defamation. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So there, and here in Panama, defamation is still criminal, not civil. So mm -hmm. you can go to jail for defamation here. Mm -hmm. um, which is, of course, once again, goes to the whole don't question anything. Don't mm -hmm. you dare question anything because you'll go to jail for it. Right. Don't dare say that someone committed a crime. Oof. Unless you can prove it. Mm -hmm. Because you absolutely, I mean, obviously, truth is a defense. But imagine that you're now being prosecuted and you have to prove it on that level as opposed to in a civil court where the burden of proof is different. Mm -hmm. Okay. But so these two women are destroyed. Now it turns out that everything they said was true. Yep. And they go back to a previous director of the supervisory board that was overlooking this. And her response is, yeah, but a shark's not going to eat a shark. It doesn't matter what I did. I was never going to be able to stop it. So literally, they've known about this for years, and they mm -hmm. never bothered investigating because she's like, the corruption is so deep. There, was, I was, I, I, and I, and it was like, but you did nothing to stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did nothing to stop it. So it turns out that for the last however many years, they've known this was going on, and everyone's like, well, the corruption's so deep. There's nothing to be done. But they're all, complicit. all the while, they're all complicit. All the while, these women, and these children, these girls are being farmed out for sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I sit here going, well, that's here in Panama and the corruption is obvious. Okay. But just, just because it's here doesn't mean it's not everywhere else. So I sit there going, we're, World Health Organization, everybody comes in here and tells us to privatize everything. Mm -hmm. The moment it's privatized, it's no longer a government-run organization. So there's no longer the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And it does make it, unfortunately, easier. Wow. To hide what's happening. And yeah. then you look around the world and go, well, where else is this happening? Yeah, and human trafficking is just one of them. Um, you I mean, mentioned like, pharmaceuticals. You mentioned. I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean the big so V word. Question everything, guys. Yeah. So and, this this pandemic was politicized. For me, as a lawyer, I look at pandemic and personal responsibility. Okay, and there's so many levels of what I'm questioning. The first thing I'm questioning is the role of the media in fear-mongering, okay? Mm. If all you are reading about day after day is how bad this is and how it will kill you and how many people are dying, understand that our immune system is 80% in our guts. And our gut is about safety and security. Mm -hmm. it's, it's immune system, it's safety and security. But if all I'm being fed is fear, we already know that fear and anxiety impact your immune system on a physical level. Mm -hmm. So add to that, all businesses are shut down or some businesses are shut down. So now you've got financial instability. 
Well, that increases your anxiety and your fears. Mm -hmm. Okay. That goes to immune system again. You've brought the immune system down once more. Mm -hmm. Okay. You remove your social and community support. You're isolated. You reduce the immunity, the, the natural body's immunity. One more level. How many levels of our immunity and body have we simply removed by the response? By, by limiting contact, by increasing fear, by increasing financial instability mm -hmm. and isolation and mm -hmm. you're left on your own and breathing recycled air with the masks, whatever. I mean, like, I just look at that and I'm like, and here in Panama, we were shut inside. Yeah. Literally. Okay. So, so lockdown here was extreme. Now, thankfully we have a backyard, so I wasn't shut inside. Okay. But that's not the case for everybody. If I was still living in an apartment building, I would have been locked inside my apartment for months on end. And then they wonder why people were breaking the rules. The rules were untenable. And unconstitutional. Well, uh, don't even go there. You know what I mean? Like when, when I look at Bill of Rights, somebody said to me, well, what rights have been removed? And I was like, okay, let me take you through the UN Bill of Rights and tell you which ones have been affected. <laughs> I struggled to find one that wasn't. <sighs> and that was with the UN Bill of Rights. That wasn't going down to the US Constitution or to Panama's Constitution and Bill of Rights. This was just the UN basic Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. and, and so to me, I sit there going, well, question all of this, because I don't know about you, but my experience with governments is once they take rights away, they don't give them back very quickly. So I go through and I look at how it's been handled here, and it's horrific. I mean, we already know here in Panama, 52 to 58% of small to medium businesses will not recover from shutdown and lockdown. Okay? So 52 to 58% of small businesses are out of business. How many employees are now out of work? Mm -hmm. So the economic impact, but what's going to be happening to all these people's diets and food because they have no income? What are they eating? McDonald's How healthily are they eating? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know, I mean, there, there's this old guy that comes to the church across the street from me, and he used to come once a month and pick up a food basket because the church gave out food baskets. Well, because of lockdown, they stopped giving out food baskets because of the contamination and everything else. So this guy comes to my door every week or two weeks. And he has gone from thin to skinny. And now that I say that, I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. Um, and I've been blessed that every time he comes, I've been able to give him enough food for at least the next few days. Of knowing, I can't feed you, but I can feed you. Right, right. Okay. Right. I haven't, you know, I. we're blessed. I, I don't have that problem. But. That's only one person. 
just a physical manifestation. You can see the shrinking, right? Yes. I but what about see, the I, mental health? What about? And and I mean, I, I complain to friends. I know more people that have died from suicide and accidental overdose of antidepressants than I know that have died from COVID. Wow, so do I'm you have stats on that? Wow. I don't, I don't have stats. I'm talking about personal Knowledge. acquaintances and people I know. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, oh, that's so that hard. Was, I'm so sorry. I want to hug you for that. Oh, someone that is so dear to me um, had a stroke and was hospitalized, and they lost her in the hospital because of the COVID crisis. They didn't know where she was in the hospital. She was somewhere in the hospital, but we're not quite sure where. She died alone after three weeks. She did not have COVID. Mm -hmm. She had a series of multiple strokes and no one in her family saw her from the moment she entered the hospital. And didn't they lay off hospital workers and such? Um, well, here we haven't had that problem, but what we do have is that we have hospital, well, we have nurses and doctors locally that are out of work, that have applied to work and not been given jobs. And yet they brought in doctors from Cuba and they're paying out X number of dollars a month to the Cuban government, which we then find out is going through a private company first. More follow the money. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like follow the money, you know? Um, so, so they won't hire doctors locally because they can't scramble the books on that. Wow. There's so many things we can explore oh. and question and such. Yeah. But At the end of the day, it's take responsibility for your well-being. And that's the, if, if there was one thing I want people to walk away from this with, it is our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, is all going to impact our physical health. Mm -hmm. And while I might not be able to control what's happening out there, mm -hmm. I can control what's happening in here. Right. And, and I tell all my clients, I want you to draw two circles. I want the circle of what you can control and the circle of what you can't control. And everything that's in that second circle of outside of your control, I want you to stop focusing energy on. Mm -hmm. and time. That's a really good exercise. So let's do that. What is it exactly? There's only a few things we can control. And to control those actually takes mastery. But walk us through it. Uh, we have like about 10 minutes. We can do this. Okay. So, so I mean, like basic, basically what I'm saying is, okay, you can control what you're eating. Okay what you're drinking, mm -hmm. what you're reading or watching or what you're feeding your mind. There you go. Okay. You can control who you're talking to. Who's mm -hmm. your circle of influence? And one of the things that I had to rebuild because of lockdown was my support network. Exactly. And I firmly believe that every one of us needs five to six people that are in our support network that are truly supporting us and that we are truly supporting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I had to rebuild that this year. 
because the people that normally I relied on were locked out of Panama. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, that, that's not happening. I, I cannot just go grab a coffee right now. Right, right. Okay, so who am I getting that support from? Who am I spending my time? Who am I investing in and who's investing in me? And making sure it was reciprocal relationships, not just nice. me giving and pouring out, but me also receiving. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that I was relying on two to three people and it was like, God, I must be exhausting for those people. So find two to three more, round out the circle mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm giving, but I'm also receiving. Exactly. On all levels. That I've got people that I'm doing fun stuff with, that I've got people that I'm talking to on a spiritual level that I might not talk to anybody else about those kind of topics. Right. I've got people that I'm talking about human rights and all my concerns on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I've got people in the coaching industry that that I'm talking to that I'm coaching or they're coaching me or, you know, that it's a friendship, but it's also a deeper level of support and, and, and challenging conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got other moms mm-hmm. with kids more or less my age, especially the ones that are single moms with single kids that it's like, this kid is driving me nuts, you know, <laughs> but making sure that that support is there for me and that I'm giving it because that I can control. Right. Right. And one of, one of my challenges was, well, there was a whole lot of people I was supporting, but I wasn't receiving support. Right. And how did you open up to that, to that receiving? Because, because not everyone, well, we were conditioned to not receive. We were oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that we was, were, I training. was conditioned to give, but not, I, I never learned how to receive. So w- what I had to do was sit back and say, well, who would I like to talk to that would be an enriching conversation? Mm, enriching conversation. An enriching conversation. Because an enriching conversation, I'm going to receive them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I started was I started looking for enriching conversations like what you and I are having right now. Mm-hmm. So it is a give and take. Yeah. It's enriching. Right. right. I come away from the conversation having received, not just having given. Right. Oh, that's such a beautiful place, right? Right. So mm. who, I mean, and, and so for a lot of people, if you're locked down at home and you're no longer going into the office and you're no longer get adulting, <laughs> you know, that sounds so, um, you know, um, you're no longer going out for coffee with the girls or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you build that in a different way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's say that you were part of a prayer or Bible study or a yoga group or a meditation group. Well, how do you build that now where you're not just going it alone, but you're still doing it in that group and network of support? Right. Isn't that amazing though, to explore that? Oh, wow. You know, I think that's the, that's the gift of 2020 was to absolutely to bring us to that place where, wow, this is available here too. 
I was just yes. focusing on that Jet. physical yeah. manifestation or physical expression of it, but I can actually recreate that here. Yeah. In a different way. Yes. In a different way and in a more fulfilling because it's deeply connected. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so for me, it's it's been, you know, like I can control that. That is something I can control. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a shift right there when everything is being even our right to question is being yeah. taken away. Right. But that ability to have that. Oh, I know I can control this. I know yes. I can create something out of this. It yeah. is so empowering. It's so empowering. And so, I mean, like one of the things that I mean, like if you see the wall behind me, um, I've started doodling. Okay. Um, and what's happened for me with that is it's like, I can be listening to something, whether it be a podcast or a lecture or something, and my hands are doing something and I don't feel like I'm wasting time. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet it's fun. Yeah. And it's opening up neural neuro pathways absolutely okay and so i mean like i i have a whole lot of friends that this year have discovered painting or have discovered um carbon sketching or you know i mean there's a whole lot i mean i've got a friend that started crocheting again after 20 years mm -hmm. um and there's something about working with our hands mm -hmm. that is really important for us right right okay um and, and so, you know, that's another thing I can control whether or not I do. Right. Right. You know, I can choose how I'm spending my time. So I'm choosing to spend a lot more time with little miss seven doing doodling and drawing. We'll yeah. go on YouTube and we'll find a painting video of this is how you paint a landscape and we'll attempt that. it. <laughs> and whatever right. happens, happens, right? It's exactly. Like, but you know what, it's time I spend with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it is, it's, I mean, it's frustrating on, on one level to homeschool. And on the other level, I'm like, you wanted to homeschool and you were never going to get the opportunity to do it. So cherish every moment. You wanted to homeschool? Wow. I did want to homeschool. And it's, and to me, it's just like, I'm sitting here going, you did ask the universe for this. Now you put seven billion other people into homeschooling with you, but you did ask for this. <laughs> oh, that, that's that was like me asking for a natural birth. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> I'm thankful. <laughs> but you know, no. I mean, so so I mean, like, there's part of me that was really frustrated, and there's another part that says, "Hey, you you wanted this on some level. This is what you wanted, and you've gotten it. So cherished." every moment it's not going to last forever right right oh i love that we we can so break down and and there, there's so many things in what you yeah. are sharing that brings back power and responsibility yes. and uh the ability to direct where your where thoughts that are energy where goes yeah. absolutely opens you up to creativity and, and yeah. new creation and your experiences in life. Um, yeah. Beth, I didn't ask you, I didn't get to ask you why you agreed to come on the show. Oh, because I would love to see people standing up in that power of saying, I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my health. Right. And 
being able to question the narrative of what we're told, even especially the science at the moment, right? And demand that scientists value science. Uh, no, no. So I mean, like, like still science? I mean, science is about having a hypothesis and either proving it right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, scientists have, in some cases, been paid to prove a particular economic point as opposed to the science of the hypothesis. Right. They'd like to see science go back to being science. Okay. Where if the question did not get the answer that they wanted, that they would have the balls to say publicly, mm -hmm. such and such a company paid me for this experiment and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That would be scientists being scientists. Yeah. And it's not too late to and that's actually... and, and that, that's that's all i'd like to see i mean the same way and, I, and i've said this to you i'd like to see pharmaceutical companies financially responsible and responding for vaccine injuries mm -hmm. then i'll trust them then i'll trust them then i'll trust them when they are financially responsible and their neck is on the line then i'll trust them mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yay. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Any other things that we didn't get to touch on? Oh my goodness. There's no, I, I mean, to, to me, the biggest thing is that we are each responsible for the questions we ask. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and we're each responsible for not asking the questions as well. Oof. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, there's the jam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, knockout. Wow. Powerful right there. Yeah, that is our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, someone asked me um, last night, uh, well, how, how, how can you contribute? How can you make changes? That's it right there. You said yeah. it right there. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's coming back. I, to take, I take personal responsibility. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Awesome. And where can people reach oh, you? Nice. People can find me on, well, I'm still on Facebook at the moment, but <laughs> I'm not sure for how much longer, but bethgray.coach is my website. Okay. Um, and you can also find me on Mighty Networks on, which is Ditch the Diet. Ditch the Diet. Yes. All right. Well, maybe we can have you back and actually talk diet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the other things, you know, like I do question the whole diet culture. I question, you know, is that really what works for you, for your body, you know? Right. And, and it comes back to the questioning again. It's come back, come, comes back to an intuitive listening to, is this really for me? Yeah. Well, I know you have your young one there, and I won't keep you much longer. Thank you so much, Beth. No, thank you, Ted. This has been an night. amazing conversation. And like I said, enriching. And that's that to me is the biggest lesson of 2020 and 2021 is that life is rich when I allow it to be and when I create the opportunities for it to be.
that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind. Take back your voice. Take back your soul. Take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.